Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Great question. Well, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, or pull the Bible out of the pew rack in front of you, or turn on your Bible on your phone, or however you interact with the Word of God. We want you to interact with it right here in this place and to hear from Him directly. So we're looking at Luke 9, and uh, we're looking at verses uh, 18 to 27, excuse me. So as we open the Scriptures, let's also turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you that you reach us and communicate to us no matter where we are. Thank you for the steadiness and the reliability of your word. Thank you that you care to have us hear from you and to know you. And so, Lord, we pray that in your mercy that you would reach out to us and speak to us just now as we offer you this time of worship, of confession, praise. So, Lord, soften our hearts to receive your living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 9 at verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and, let, and, and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Amen. Who do you say I am? Faith is ultimately an individual affair. Who do you say? What is your opinion? You you get to choose. You get to form your own stance. You personally as an individual, not the person beside you, not the people you came with to church this morning, not your, your religious aunt, you know, who always stuffs those verses and the birthday cards, whatever it is. It's not their opinion that Jesus is asking about today. It's you. It's you. Who do you say I am? What do you say? My family and I were away at the beach for a vacation. That's why I'm a little bit tan. Usually I'm just peeled, but, I, to, but I'm tan. I don't know how I worked that out this year, but that's great. And uh, we were at the beach, and my youngest, Liam, was in the water constantly, all day long. 
you know, until you get to that point where you say, hey, Liam, if you spend any more time in the water, you're going to turn into a fish. Yep. I don't know what answer was going to come out of the congregation. Yeah, you're going to turn into a fish, right? You're going to, but, but that's not true. He's not going to turn into a fish. You know, he's not going to change into a fish. He might turn into a prune, <laughs> but he's not going to turn into a fish. The environment doesn't always produce the change. The environment that you're in doesn't always change who you are. Now, maybe you've heard this before, but here we are sitting in church, and you can sit in church, and that doesn't make you a Christian. You can be in the right environment, and that doesn't produce the change. Or as some people say, you can sit in the garage, that doesn't make you a car. You can climb in the oven, that doesn't make you a biscuit. You can sit in the ocean, that doesn't make you a fish. And you can sit here in church. And until you answer that question for yourself, until you respond to God's direct communication to you, asking you this very question, who do you say that I am? You can sit in church year after year. It won't make a bit of difference. Faith in Christ isn't yours until it's yours. What do you say? So a lot of times here, the the preaching team and I, we're railing against the rampant individualism of our age, right? We want you to understand God deals with us as a community. God deals with us as a people. That's what church is all about. We don't have to do this alone. We do it together. And a lot of the directives and the commands of Scripture, they're not given to individual people. They're given to us as a community so we can do these things as one, as one body. So we're always talking about that. But today, I want you to just go the opposite direction. I want you to do the opposite. I want you to concentrate on the individual. In fact, I want you to focus on yourself. What's the last time you heard a pastor say that? I, I want you to focus on yourself as much as you can. Forget the people around you. Forget the people you came with. Forget the people back in your, your regular lives, Monday through Saturday, whose eyes are always on you, judging your every move as much as you can during this message. I want you to think about your own heart and your own soul and your own answer to Jesus' question. Who do you say that I am? Because until you have an answer to that question, friends, all the stuff we do together, it's going to sit upside down in your life. Until you have an answer to that question, all of this that we do, this church and, and reading the Bible and, and, uh, and religious service and volunteerism, uh, even morality, choosing the moral path, if you are pursuing these things without an answer to that question of Jesus, they're going to sit upside down in your life. These are going to be things that you're trying to do, performing to gain the love or the power of God in your life. You're thinking, I'm going to have to do these things to gain God's love and God's grace. We cannot behave our way into God's love, you see. 
And these things that we do together, these are not practices in order to perform or behave our way into God's grace. They're not. You know, we think if I do enough of this or that, or if I stay away from enough of this or that, or if I give away of, an, of this or that, then I'll gain God's power. I'll gain God's grace in my life. No. No, no, no. It all begins with Jesus' question. Who do you say that I am? If you answer that question in the way that Peter answered that question, Lord, you're the Messiah. Well, then what happens is is you have a personal relationship with Christ. A dialogue has opened up. And in that relationship, you feel the love of God in your heart. And an internal change begins. And all of these things that we do, going to church and choosing a a, a good way of life and reading the Bible and praying, all of these things, these are not performances to gain the love and the power and the grace of God. These are responses to the love and the power and the grace of God within us as we cooperate with God's movement in our lives from there forward. But it begins with this question, who do you say that I am? Not only is this a great question, it is the most important question you will ever be asked. Your answer determines your eternity. Verse 18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago have come back to life. They say all kinds of different things, Jesus. They're talking about you all kinds of different ways. And Jesus turned to them and he said, but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Who do people say that Jesus is in your life? Who do people say that Jesus is? What do they think of him in the world? I I think about this a lot. It's actually very interesting to me what people think about Jesus and, and who he was, what he's about. A recent poll in the UK revealed that almost half of the population there don't believe that Jesus was a historical figure. They they see that he was a myth or or a legend and don't know that he was actually a person who who walked the uh, the face of the earth, just like any other man in history. I wonder how many people in Colorado Springs think that. What do they think of Jesus? What do they think he is? But listen, there's a time to talk about Jesus, and then there's a time to talk to Jesus, to talk to him quite directly. Jesus asked all of them. He asked the group, who do you say that I am? But it was only one voice, Peter, who found the courage to give an answer, God's Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, the Lord, the Savior. And that's right. Now, Jesus is going to next tell them and tell us what that means. Jesus says, yes, that's right. What you've said is right. How does he confirm it? He confirms it by telling them to be silent about it in verse 21. Now, we'll come back to that in a little bit. So, yes, he says, I'm God's Messiah. Now, let me tell you what that means. Verse 22. Verse 22. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer. 
The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. The Son of Man, he says. That's a messianic title. Son of Man, Son of God. Jesus is the one who is creating communion between God and us, between the Lord God Almighty and fallen mankind. So he's Son of Man, Son of God. And that's a, that's a title that's, that's quite profound. But he says, yes, I am, son of man. But it's not what you thought. You thought that, that I would be washing in with great power and great agency to, to change everything at once. But look what's going to happen to me. He says it's going to actually look very different from that. The son of man is going to suffer. The son of man is going to be Rejected. The Son of Man is going to be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Well, that's the gospel right there. Luke chapter 9, verse 22. Jesus tells the gospel. He says, Do you want to know who I am? This is who I am. I'm the one who came to save your souls. He came, he suffered, and died for our sins. That's who he is. He's the this, this, this subject of the great story of redemption. He says, I'm the one who came and suffered and was rejected, and, and the, the guilt and the burden of others was put on me, and he went down to the grave, and then he rose again to life on the third day. Who is Jesus? This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is who I am, he tells his disciples, and you don't understand it just now because you haven't seen it happen just yet. But if you want to know who I am, if you want to know my identity, if you want to know my inner core of my character and who I am, this is who I am. I'm the one that God sent. I'm the one that came to die for you. I'm the one sent into the world because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I am the son of God. I am the son of man who came to rescue you from eternal life, pay your penalty for sin and disobedience, and bring you eternal life. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's what it means to say you're God's Messiah. How do I follow him if I want? Well, verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. He says, if you truly know who I am, then you know what you must do. If I'm the Lord, your life belongs to me. If I am the Lord, you're God. And if that's who I am, it means your life belongs to me. It means laying your life down before him. If this is truly God, if this is the God who made us and who gave us life and who created this world and then sent his son to die for us and to gain our souls for everlasting life, then we belong to him. That's it. End of story. That's all. Jesus says, if you know who I am, then you know what you must do. You lay down your life. The way of Christ, you see, is not the way of self-help. 
Self-help is no help at all. The way of Christ is self-sacrifice, a giving away of the self. So Jesus says to his disciples, my identity as son of man is a Messiah who suffers and dies, who gives himself away. They can't possibly have the foggiest idea what he's talking about. And then he turns to them and he says, and you, if you'd like to follow me, if you're inspired to follow me, well, this is what you do. You take up your cross and you lose your life. You take up your cross daily. Now, they knew what a cross was. A cross was a very real thing. They had seen people take up their cross. A cross was something you take up once. If you take up your cross, you're walking to the place of your execution. A cross is a one-way ticket. But Jesus says, take up your cross daily. On a daily basis, every morning, every day, take up your cross. Lose your life. Die to self and live to me. He says, follow me. You see, I died and yet I live. Die to yourself every day, each day. Why? Because it is in dying to yourself that you can live to me and find your true eternal life. The way of Jesus is the way of self-sacrifice, my life in his hands. Then and only then do I live to him and I find in him my own true life. You see, this is not what we're taught. We're taught in this world that it's about self-actualization. It's about self-agency. I will make myself who I am. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Your true self, your true identity, your full potential, what you were made to be, the beauty and glory of all of it isn't found with your life in your hands. It's found with your life in my hands. Take up your cross daily and follow me. So to summarize, what does Jesus say here? Who am I? He says, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, but not as you thought. Son of man, I am that, I am that. I am the son of man who comes as a Messiah who suffers, who takes guilt, not his own, who takes punishment, not his own, who pays a penalty, not his own, who dies a death, not his own, to redeem those he loves into eternal life and to set them free. Who am I? I am the one who rises from the dead. I am the one who gives life, not takes life. As he says, what good is it? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? What good is it for you to get everything you want? What good is it for you to get everything you want in this life and lose your true self and lose your soul for eternity? Jesus says, I'm the one who hands you your true life. And what else? He says, well, listen, I'm also the one who's coming again. Coming again to judge and to rule and to reign. He says so in verse 26. He says, he is coming again in glory. Who am I? 
I am the Lord, and my kingdom is coming. So Jesus shows us who he is very clearly, very clearly in this passage. He shows us who he is. Last verse of the passage. Look, at, look together, 26 and 27. Whoever is ashamed of me, Jesus says, and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory. See, he's coming again in glory. And in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Verse 27. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Now, if you can explain that passage, I've got a candy bar for you <laughs> later on today. That is a difficult verse, hard to understand. What could Jesus have been referring to? He could have been referring to a number of things. Maybe he was referring to his crucifixion and resurrection that he had just been talking about, and they would see. Maybe he was referring to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was going to pour down with power on them and the kingdom of God was going to be manifested in various ways. Maybe he was referring to uh, the kingdom of God that's around us, that's among us. Whenever we see things done God's way for God's glory, we get to see a glimpse of the kingdom of God. He might have been referring to that. Or he may have been referring to the transfiguration where Peter, James, and John get pulled away. It's just right down the page of your Bible. It's the next thing that happens. And they see Jesus in manifest divine glory. We don't know exactly what Jesus was referring to. But we know this. He declares very clearly, I am the Christ. I am the Son of Man, Son of God. I am the one who has come to seek and to save the lost. I am the Savior who died and rose again. And I am the Lord whose kingdom is on the way. Who am I? That's who I am. Who do you say I am? What do you say? People say all kinds of things about who Jesus was. They say all kinds of things. I still come down with the Oxford professor C.S. Lewis who said there's really only three things that Jesus possibly could be. People want to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. They say, I'm willing to accept that Jesus was a great moral teacher, but no more. And Lewis says, well, you've got to look at what he said. You've got to look at what this great moral teacher taught, particularly what he taught about himself. Would a great moral teacher make the kinds of claims about who he was that Jesus made? Would a great moral teacher demand this sort of taking up of a cross and this sort of devotion, this radical devotion of giving your life away? Who, who really is Jesus? So Lewis said, really at the base of it, when you think about it, Jesus was either a liar or he was a lunatic or he was the Lord. He put it this way. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. What do you say? Who do you say that I am? It's a great question. Peter said, you're God's Messiah. Now back quickly with me to verse 21. Jesus verifies Peter's claim in a really weird way. 
Verse 21, Peter says, God's Messiah. Jesus says, don't tell anybody about that. Verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Isn't that a strange way to say you're right? But it does say that he's right. Now, we read that and we think, oh, good. (laughs) Because actually, that's just what I was intending to do. Uh, I didn't want to say anything about you to anyone at any time, anywhere. So, so I'm really happy, Jesus, to hear you saying uh, that I should uh, button my lip. You think that's what Jesus meant? Not exactly. No. It wasn't time to share it. It was not time for them to share it yet. Why? Because most of it hadn't happened yet. They hadn't seen him die and and rise again. And they hadn't received the power of the Holy Spirit. So they didn't have the gospel to share the story of Jesus' work of salvation. They didn't have the gospel to share, and they didn't have the power to share it because they didn't have the Holy Spirit poured out yet within them. But now in our time, friends, Jesus has made it very clear that you and I, we are to share it. We are to profess it. We are to tell the world who Jesus is. We are to celebrate the identity and the character of Jesus Christ. So I want to close with with three questions for you. Who do you say that I am? Three questions. What do you say to God? What do you say to yourself? And what do you say to others? What do you say? What do you say to God? Friends, God made you, and he knows you, and he has walked with you through the days of your life, and he sees you sitting right here this morning. What do you say to God? Not those around you, not those who look at you, not those who cast an opinion over you. Who do you say that he is? Because Jesus has asked you, who do you say that I am? And each of us individually must come with a response. Kids that are, that are here this morning, You grow up with your parents' opinions. You grow up with your parents' teaching. It isn't about what your mom believes. It isn't about what your dad believes. Jesus is asking you, who do you say that I am? At some point in each of our lives, we must individually stand on the courage of our convictions and answer that question to God, not to anyone else. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? I just encourage you this morning, make an answer. Jesus, I say that you are, fill in the blank, for yourself. Who do you say that I am? What do you say to God? What do you say to yourself? If Jesus is the Messiah, then he's the Lord. Who owns your life? If he's the Lord, then he's the God who made you, who gave you life. He's the God who sent his son to die for you, to redeem you from your sins. He's the one who rose from the dead to open up eternal life for you. What do you say to yourself? Because if Jesus is Lord, then you belong to him. Are you living that way? You need to tell yourself again and again, hey, Tim, Jesus is Lord, not you. What do you say to God? What do you say to yourself? And friends, what do you say to others? I want to I give you this challenge. If you're a believer, a follower in Christ, you've been given the grace to know Jesus, your Savior and Lord. Now, what kind of a love is it that leaves the world in confusion? 
The world doesn't know Jesus. They don't see Jesus. In a host of ways, darker powers cast a pall over their sight and over their hearing. And it is on us, the people of God, to share the light and the life of Jesus Christ with them. What kind of a love is it that leaves the world in confusion when Jesus has shown you who he is? What is the last time the name Jesus passed over your lips? Not in church. Not in church. What do you say to God? What do you say to yourself? And what do you say to others when Jesus asks you, who do you say that I am? Friends, I can't tell you how many times in my ministry I've had this, the same conversation where someone comes to me or sends me a note or writes me a letter and says, Pastor Tim, I sat in church for 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. I once had a letter of someone who said, literally, I sat in church 40 years and I never knew who Jesus was. And when it came on Sunday, that you challenged us to speak directly to him, I started a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And my life, my life has never made so much sense and felt so much joy. Are you sitting here this morning? Sitting here in church doesn't make you a Christian. And maybe you're sitting in church and you're and you're exploring, and you're on a journey, and you're not quite sure what to say yet to that question. I want to affirm you. That's good. We, we want to affirm you. You're on the right journey, and you're in the right place. Stick at it. Keep going. But maybe today, maybe today is the day for you to make your response. Not that of another, not that of a friend, not that of your family or your community. Your response as Jesus speaks to you right now and asks you this question, who do you say that I am. What do you say? Lord, we thank you that you love each of us so dearly that you sent your Son that whoever would put their faith in him and cry out to him and open their heart to him would not know eternal death and separation from you but instead would find life, true life, life eternal. And we thank you, Jesus, that it's in you we find who we truly are. And so I pray for each one in the sound of my voice. Lord, some of us, we need to to tell ourselves again that you are Lord. And we need to tell others that you are Lord. And some of us, Lord, sitting in this room right here this morning, we need to say for the first time directly to you, I see you, Lord, and I feel your love. And I'm grateful for your death on my behalf. And I believe in your eternal life. And I call you, Jesus, my Savior and Lord. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.